all stand together if you would. And look at me first in Psalm, Psalm uh, 57 and verse 1. It says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Now go with me over to Psalms 18 and look down in verse 25. And let's say verse 25 together out loud in unison. Psalm 18, 25. With the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man thou wilt show thyself upright. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're thankful for each one that's here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we ask, God, that your spirit would have freedom in this place tonight. May, it have, may he have freedom in each of our hearts, and may he give us ears to hear, that we might see what it is that we need personally. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, right now I'm praying to a God who's full of mercy. If it wasn't for your mercy, I wouldn't be saved. If it wasn't for your mercy... I'd still be in my sins and bound for hell for all eternity. But because of the mercy of God, you uh, sent the Lord Jesus Christ to be the propitiation, the payment, the substitution for me, for my sin. And I am so thankful. You know, like, like, like we sang tonight, when the Lord saved me, something wonderful happened. No doubt about that. We went from darkness to light. We went from, the, from, from death to life. And uh, we thank you for what you've done for us. We pray your blessings upon this message. And, and God, I, I, I just really, I, I pray that there'd be nothing that I would say, nothing that I would do that would hinder what you'd have each of us to get in our hearts tonight. And as you speak to us, may we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Both of, those, both of those verses have to do with mercy. In Psalm 57, he's crying out for mercy because of some situations that are happening in his life. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the things you got to understand, you know, we were talking about uh, uh, someday seeing the Lord face to face and going to heaven. There'll be no sorrow there and no death and all that stuff. But uh, there'll also be no cries for mercy. Because you won't need to cry for mercy because you'll be in heaven. The cries for mercy that will be cried out in hell or in the lake of fire will never be answered. They'll, they'll, they'll be heard, but they'll never be answered. And uh, if you want mercy, you've got to get it on this side of eternity. In Psalm 18, verse 25, it tells us that, that uh, if we want mercy, we've got to be merciful. We need to be merciful. And I, I, think, I think mercy is uh, one of the greatest needs that we have today in, in, in society, in our country, even in Christianity today. In our church, we need to, have, we need to be a merciful church. One of the, the, uh, one of the things for, for the 30 years that I've been here that I've noticed about you folks, you have a, you have a bend, a tendency, a bend toward mercy. And I like that. I'm glad for that. And I hope we never lose that as a church. Um, 
I think that it's one of the greatest needs we have today because this, this world and society today is just, is just bare-knuckle cutthroat. I mean, it just is. It's cutthroat. And uh, we, need to, we need to be exhibits of, of mercy. And uh, mercy is defined, I, I love this, I went to, to uh, uh, the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And if you don't have a copy of that, you need to, to get one. If you don't have it on your, on your, on your phone or your computer, you, you really should get it. I, mo most of them out there are out there, those apps that are out there are free. But uh, the, the definitions that are in the 1828 dictionary are different than the Merriam-Webster dictionary that you've got today, the modern update. And uh, it often includes God in the definition, and that's the case with mercy. It says that mercy is that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. Aren't you glad you got it better than you deserve with God because of his mercy? The, the uh, disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy, and that's true. That which comes nearest to it is grace, but grace is different. Grace is, uh, is getting what we don't deserve, and mercy is withholding that which we do deserve, this negative. And uh, it says it implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity or compassion, and clemency, but exercised only towards offenders. Mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the supreme being. And, uh, and, and God is full of mercy. And because our God is full of mercy, we need to be merciful ourselves. Mercy is not just an attitude. It's an attitude and an action. It's concern and care toward those that are in difficult situations. And it's a, it's a desire to relieve their suffering and to relieve the problems of others and be a help. And, a, and an encouragement. It's also a, a not just a desire, but it's also actions toward relieving those sufferings and relieving those problems. And it's, it's care and concern and action. Just like love is more than just a ushy-gushy feeling, it is a primarily an action, so is mercy. Mercy is primarily an action which comes from a concern and care and attitude. Mercy sees beyond surface things. And if you don't get anything else tonight, I hope you get this concept, that mercy goes beyond what it sees. Mercy goes beyond how it's treated. Uh, it looks beyond the, the loud, annoying personality. Mercy uh, looks beyond the, the gossiping tongue and the, the damage that it can do. It looks beyond the angry, critical spirit that a person might be exhibiting at the time. It looks beyond the laziness and the carnality and, and sometimes vulgarity and disrespect that's shown to others. It looks beyond the foolishness and the just downright sometimes stupidity 
that, uh, that others show. If, if you go by just what you see, you will never be merciful. Mercy goes beyond that, looks under the surface. Uh, it's, it's, it's not just, however, a kind and easygoing disposition. It never excludes justice or overrules it. Um, you, you look at, at, uh, at, at, at our salvation in Christ as an example. Not God showed us mercy, but he didn't overlook our sin. He didn't, he, didn't, uh, he, he didn't just push it off to the side and bypass it and say, well, we just won't do anything about that. No, instead, because of his mercy, he looked down, he saw our sin, said our sin has to be paid for. But he understood that we couldn't pay for it. And that's really where an understanding of what real salvation is all about is when we understand that you know, we, we don't have the ability to pay for our own, our own sin. It's not possible. We can't possibly do that. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. He came and died on the cross as an act of mercy toward us, and he paid for our sin. Now, he fulfilled justice, and he took care of the judgment of our sin on himself. He didn't overlook that judgment. He took care of that judgment. And mercy doesn't overlook the law, it doesn't overlook judgment, it doesn't overlook offenses, but it makes provision for those offenses, and then it goes beyond and looks beyond those offenses. And it's, it, what mercy is, mercy is just simply seeing the real needs that are in people and meeting those needs. It looks under the surface, and it sees, in many cases, uh, it sees somebody who's hurting, not just somebody who's irritating, not somebody who's causing problems, not somebody who is offensive to others, but they see somebody who's got some innermost problems and, and has some real needs. Now, the question is, how do we become merciful? There are some things I believe that we can do, and this is not going to be a long message tonight. This is going to be a very short message, actually but a very important message, because I, I, I really believe if there's anything we need today, if, if there's one thing I want to be known as, as Freedom Baptist Church, I want us to be known as a church full of mercy. Now, you know, we need to be right, we need to be just, and we need to be all those other things too. I'm not, I'm not overlooking that, but we're looking at one particular character quality that is a character quality of God. Um, you know, you read through the book of, of Psalms, and one of the things I think you'll find is that over and over and over, regardless of who the psalmist is, sometimes it's David, sometimes it's Moses, sometimes it's others. Um, but one thing that you'll find, and many times it's, it, the psalmist is totally unnamed, but one thing that they have in common overall is there's tons of cries for mercy in the book of Psalms. And the reason why that is, is because we've got a God who is a merciful God, and we also have a great need. And the need that we have is for mercy for ourselves. But you know what? The Bible says if you're going to have mercy, you've got to be merciful. So how, how, how can we become more merciful? Let me give you some, some ways tonight that uh, we can gain in the area of mercy. Go to Matthew chapter 5. 
Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. I believe the Sermon on the Mount is the longest sermon, the longest message in the entire scriptures. And it, it uh, encompasses three chapters, chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. But where, where Jesus starts in the sermon is he starts with what we have, we have uh, called the Beatitudes. And uh, I like that word because the truth of the matter is these are attitudes that we ought to be. They ought to be in us. On a, on a daily basis. But I want, you, I want you to look with me in verses 3 through 7. This is where he really starts the message. And he, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then finally in verse 7, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. One of the things that, and, and it continues on even after that. But I want to stop there because one of the things that I, that I observed, and, and I've read through these scriptures over and over again, many of you have too. But it dawned on me one day that, that the, these beatitudes are progressive. It starts with the first one and then builds on the first one with the second one, then builds on the first two with the third and so on right on down. Well, the, 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 the last one that we, that we read uh, would be, uh, let's see, one, two, three, be the fourth one, uh, has to do with being merciful. So let's, let's see what it is that we have to have in us to lead up to and preparing us for a uh, merciful spirit, merciful heart. And the other thing I want you to notice here too is that these are also attributes that have to be in us when we get saved. When I trusted Christ as Savior, these progressive uh, attitudes had to be present. For instance, look at the first one. It says in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit just simply means you see your needs. You see that you are needy and you recognize it. You are poor in spirit. You know that you can't make it on your own. You know that you need help from God. And think about that when it comes to salvation. One of the things, in fact, I was telling one of the fellows last night when we were uh, finishing up in prayer uh, with men's prayer meeting last night, I told him, I said, I said you know, one of the, one of the greatest things that I pray for when it comes to lost people, any lost person I've, I've prayed for over the last recent years, I have asked the Lord to reveal to that person the fact that they're needy. A needy person will get saved. A person who has no needs will not get saved. They won't because they don't think they have a need. And they have to have, to have that need revealed. And of course, this is talking about spiritually poor, poor in spirit. And so you, the, the first thing, in order to even to get mercy, uh, you, you have to realize that you are nothing. You start thinking you're somebody, and you're going to start thinking you're better than other people, and all of a sudden the mercy is going to dissipate. 
So the first thing is poor in spirit. Then the second one, verse 4, says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, when it talks about mourning, it's, it's talking about, about uh, mourning about your own condition. You're poor in spirit, and you mourn about it. You understand that you're a sinner. You understand that you have weaknesses. And you don't just let it pass by. It bothers you. And, and again, think about salvation. When you, when you trusted Christ to save you, you realized you're a sinner. You realized that you were on your way to hell. That bothered you. By the way, it should bother you. Amen? It should bother somebody. Uh, and uh, uh, a person cannot get saved until they first get lost. And they need to understand their lost condition. And, and uh, uh, they need to, to mourn over that situation. Well, same thing is true. After we're saved, we need to realize we're still poor in spirit. We need to mourn over our sin. When we realize the seriousness of our own sin, we can properly minister to others. Again, when we don't understand the seriousness of our own sin, then we become judgmental and we become critical of others. Well, and then the third thing that God points out to us is in verse 5, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Now, that's talking about giving up your personal rights for God. Uh, God is right, you are wrong. And uh, let's go on down the straws with that thought in mind and, and give up your own personal rights to be right. Uh, give up your own personal rights to God and let him have his way. And, and uh, uh, if, if you go over to Galatians chapter 6, it talks about helping someone who is uh, in verse 1, there's overcome with a fault. And it talks about in meekness, considering thy own self, lest thou also be tempted. Um, the, the, the truth is, when you're meek, you understand, yes, this, is, this, this person has a need. Yes, this person uh, uh, needs to be ministered to. But I am no better than this person is. And I need to realize that I am just as susceptible to this sin as this individual is. And if you have that kind of attitude, then you're on the road to mercy. Look at verse 6. It says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So the fourth thing is hungering and thirsting after righteousness, wanting to be right before God, wanting to be clean and to be pure before God. And if we have those four things in our lives, then we're candidates for mercy. Uh, we will be able to be merciful. We'll be able to be merciful. But we need to first be poor in spirit. We need to mourn over our sin. We need to, to be meek and, and hunger and thirst after righteousness. And, and uh, when, we, when we do those things, then God says that we have the capacity, we have the ability to show mercy toward others. Of course, verse, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Then the, the second thing that we need to do is we need to, we need to just be right with God. Go to Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23. I think you'd agree with me. Probably one of, if not the greatest, Christian that ever lived was the Apostle Paul. 
And uh, God used him in, in marvelous ways to be a witness and testimony. God used him to start many churches. He used him to see many get saved. And in verse, verse 1, Paul's standing before the, the, uh, the Sanhedrin. And in verse 1, it says, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. Take your Bibles and go over to verse chapter 24, just about a page or so over, and look down at verse 16. This is Paul again. And he says, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Basically, what he, what he said was, he said, I'm clean. I'm clean. As of right now, right at this moment, my conscience is clear before God. My conscience is clear before, before man. What he's saying is, is that if there's any sin that was there, it's confessed, it's forsaken. Uh, if there's any apologies that need to be made or any restitution that needs to be made, I've made it. And so to, to the best of my ability, I am clear before God and I'm clear before man. Now that order is so very important because every time you find that business about a conscience being clear before God and man, it's always God and man. It's never man and God. Uh, it's always God first and you always put God first and then and then. Uh, secondly, with man. If you have done something against an individual, don't first get right with the individual. Understand that, yes, you did uh, an offense against somebody, but you first sinned against God because God did not want you to do that. So, so what we need to get right with God first. And by the way, in order to get right with man, it's, it's best to get right with God first so that you can get right with, with, uh, with others properly. Uh, what does it mean to be right with God and man? Well, how do you, and how do you do it? Well, first of all, you confess your sin to God, you, and you ask God for forgiveness. And then secondly, you go to those that you have trespassed against, and you ask them for forgiveness. And when you ask them for forgiveness, you do it, you do it quickly, you do it quietly, you don't make a big deal out of it. I mean, if it's a big deal, obviously it needs to be 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 made so. But I, I'm just saying, you just you just basically go about your business of taking care of it and take full responsibility. Don't give one of these apologies of uh, well, I'm sorry that I I did such and such to you, but you know I was tired that day. Uh, but you know you really did try really kick, tick me off in the first place. That's not an apology, okay? It's not an apology at all. Take full responsibility for your sin and uh, then ask forgiveness for the right things. Now, when I say the right things, there's two things involved when we trespass against someone. And this is, this is a lesson God taught me years ago. I... I had trespassed against an individual, and I went up to that individual, and I, I, I had first gone to God and asked him to forgive me. God did. Then I went to the individual, and I asked them to forgive me for the action that I did. And he said he forgave me. And I walked away. And you know, usually when I walk away from those kind of things, I feel good, feel clean, good. I got that taken care of. I walked away. I still felt dirty. And I, I, you know, I went to God and I says, God, what is wrong? 
What, 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 what's going on here? I confess to you. I confess to, to the individual. And, but I still feel dirty and guilty on the inside. And God showed me very plainly why that was the case. Because I, I asked him to forgive me for what I did. I did not ask him for forgiveness for my attitude toward him. And I had the wrong attitude. I went back shortly thereafter. In fact, the next time I saw the individual, and I, I, I said, you know, I confess to you the thing that I did against you, but what I, what I left out was the fact that my attitude was not right toward you. My heart wasn't right toward you. Would you forgive me for? And he told him what my attitude was. Boy, you know what? He got a big smile on his face. I could tell he wasn't comfortable with the apology. And, and uh, uh, as soon as I said, I'm asking you to forgive me for my attitude, boy, it, everything changed. That person and I uh, became, close, became friends, not close friends, but friends. And uh, he's, he's serving the Lord as a, as, a, as a preacher today. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, but, but it could have ended differently uh, had I not handled things right. And when, when, you, when you get those things right, then you have the capacity within yourself to be able to show mercy toward others. And, and, and you do because you've already gone to God and you made sure you're clean before him and you made sure you're clean before others. So uh, the second thing we do is we, we make sure we're right with God and right with others. Third thing uh, that we can do to, to uh, become merciful is realize that people's outer problems are the result of inner needs. Again, don't just look at the outside. If all you look at is the, is the outside, all you're going to look at is their trouble. And you're going to look at the, at, the re, at the results of their trouble that is troubling them on the, on the inside. you got somebody who's angry. You've got somebody who's nasty. You've got somebody that, uh, that uh, has an attitude uh, towards you. Something's gone on in their lives that have caused them to be that way. Do you care about that? Does that bother you? Or are you only bothered by the way that they treat you? If you're only bothered by the way that they treat you, you're never going to be able to have mercy toward them. You have to look beyond what you see, and you need to realize there's a person on the inside that's hurting and that has some difficulties in their lives that uh, needs to be ministered to. Now, they, they might refuse to be ministered to. I understand that. You know, the Bible says over in the book of Romans, uh, uh, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. Well, you know, as, as best as you can. And if they don't accept that, the best that you got, then you go on. But understand that uh, if, if there's a, an irritating factor in their lives, it's because there's something inside that's festering them. And that ought to cause you to have a merciful heart toward them. Fourth thing that we need to do is to ask God to help them and to have forgiveness in our hearts toward them. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 7. Acts, chapter 7. Most of you are, are familiar 
was some of the last words that Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uttered on the cross when he looked down at his accusers. He looked down at those that were crucifying him and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now that was definitely, I mean, without a doubt, that was an act of mercy. Uh, these are the people that were actually crucifying, literally crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we have a tendency to do, and maybe you don't do this, but I do this, is say, well, he was God. You know, he is God. And of course he's going to act like that. I think one of the most amazing statements, one that was very similar to that one, was, was uh, one that was uttered by, by Stephen uh, in, in chapter 7, verses 57, down through uh, verse 60. And Stephen had just preached to a bunch of, of uh, elders in Israel and uh, religious people in Israel. And uh, they responded to the invitation, but they didn't respond the way that he desired for them to respond. They didn't accept the message. They rejected it. They got mad at him. They picked up stones and they stoned him. In verse 57, it says, Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So Saul was the coat bearer during that whole thing. He watched that whole thing take place. Verse 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, these are the very guys that, that killed him that stoned him to death. And basically what he did was he uttered a prayer of mercy. He, he simply said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Um, what, what do we need to do? Well, we need to have a, a forgiving attitude. And you can't, you can't pray a prayer like that unless you have forgiveness in your heart, unless you, have, unless you look beyond the, the actions of the people and see that they have a need on the inside. And this, was a, this really was a very, very merciful prayer, just like the Lord Jesus' prayer on the cross was a very merciful prayer. But they, they had that kind of, of mercy, and particularly Stephen had that mercy because he, he asked God to help him and have forgiveness uh, in, his, in his heart toward them, and he asked God to forgive them. Uh, that's the kind of attitude that we need to have. You can't be merciful to somebody you hold a grudge against. You can't be merciful to somebody you're bitter with. You can't be merciful with someone that you're, you're angry with. So ask God to help you with those things and uh, ask God to first forgive your feelings toward them and then secondly, there, ask, ask God to help you to be a blessing and, and a help to them. And then the last thing is, is uh, found over in Romans chapter 12. Go to Romans 12 with me. And this will help you have a merciful heart. Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, look with me beginning in verse 17. <clears throat> verse 17 says, Recommence to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. In other words, somebody's being nasty to you. Don't be nasty back to them. Verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth 
in you. Uh, live peaceably with all men, dearly beloved. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance is not your business. It's not your responsibility to seek or to look after vengeance. That is that's God's responsibility. Give it to God. Don't take it upon yourself. Verse 20, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, can I tell you something else it does? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You feed them, you give them drink, you do something for them, you give them some of the treasure that you have, whether it be something material or whether it just be your time, and you're investing in them. When you invest in them, your heart goes with your investment. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. If, if you, you want to have mercy in your life, be kind to those that are not kind to you. And the only way, and this is, this is the, you know, I, because I had a math background, and I was planning on being a math teacher before, before I was called into the ministry. I have a tendency to look at scripture in a formulaic way. And there is a, a formula, there's only one formula that I find in the scriptures that, uh, that gives us the way that we overcome evil that has, has you know, pointed its arrows toward us and has attacked us. The only way you overcome evil is to overcome evil with good. Uh, if, if, uh, if you want to overcome evil in your life and you want to overcome the evil that's in other people's lives, there's only one way you can do it. And that's by being good, being kind, and being merciful to them. And when, when we do each of these five things, when we uh, first become poor in spirit and then mourn over our sin, become, weak, become meek, and then hunger and thirst after righteousness, God, God gives us a merciful spirit. When we're right with God and man, God gives us a merciful spirit. Uh, when we realize that people's outer problems aren't the problem, but the inner problem is a problem, then God gives us uh, uh, the, 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 the potential to be merciful toward them. We ask God to, to, uh, to help them. We ask God to forgive them and, uh, and to give us a forgiving heart. And if we do that, well, we have the potential of mercy. And then just be kind to them. Just be kind to them. Overcome evil with good. Take your Bibles and turn with me back again, if you would, to Psalm 18. When we started with Scripture tonight, I want to close with the same Scripture. Psalm 18, and look down in verse 25. It says, With a merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. If you want to have mercy on your life, you have to have mercy toward others. Let's bow for prayer. Father, forgive us when so often we are short with others, we are impatient with others, we uh, forget how much of a problem we have caused you in the past. We forget 
how much sin you have forgiven in our lives. And uh, Lord, uh, we, we often lack mercy with others. Lord, there is a, a great need out there in the world today, and that is for people to show mercy to others. God, we cannot be merciful unless we are right with you. We can't be merciful unless we are kind to others. We can't be merciful unless we've seen our own sin and seen ourselves in the right perspective. We can't be merciful if all we do is look at the outward and don't look beyond that. God, I pray that uh, this evening you convict our hearts of specific acts that maybe even this week that we committed that were certainly not acts of mercy. But help us to see, Father, that uh, not only do we need to have mercy ourselves, uh, given to us, but Lord, we need to be a merciful people. Please, please deal in our hearts the, the, this evening. And uh, God, as you speak to our hearts, may we respond to you. I pray that you'd bless this invitation, use the word of God, and by the spirit of God, may decisions be made for you that we might decide as individuals to be a merciful people because we serve such a wonderful, merciful God. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.